Tauji Gopal ki jai, Manuvan ki jai. Any questions tonight? Yes. A question from one of Shri Prabhupada's reports. Sorry, I'm just reading a short book. It says, um, Actually, the neophyte devotees worship the Lord according to the Pancharatrika Vidhi or regulative principles enjoined in the Marta Pancharatrika. Radha Krishna cannot be approached by the neophyte devotees. Therefore, temple worship according to the regulative principles is offered to Lakshmi Narayan. Even though there may be a Radha Krishna Vigraha, or form, the worship of the neophyte devotees is acceptable as Lakshmi Narayan worship. So, I was wondering if you could explain that, because it kind of sounds similar to the idea that, you know, our prayers are only heard by the Paramatma, and how that would be not acceptable to someone, you know, although not... Although a neophyte is not, Prabhupada was uh, sometimes he spoke like that. But uh, he, he, what he's really trying to do was uh, instill some sense of um, reverence in his disciples for deity worship. Mm-hmm. He was very uh, concerned, for example, when he established the deities in Los Angeles that I'm leaving. <laughs> The deities, Radha and Krishna, in the hands of these people, and um, we weren't very trained up, and so forth. I mean, uh, and and so he put a strong emphasis on on uh, uh, I want to say uh, reverence for the deities, and that's I've mentioned many times. Archon is in, inevitably, hmm, uh, have some Aishvarya to it because the language is symbolic and their procedures are are such and so forth that they're not like we ordinarily deal with one another. Neither like the devotees in the Brajlila deal with Krishna. Hmm. Um, of course, we have extraordinary examples of the Goswamis worshiping the deities. Um, in intimacy and so forth, but that's not the kind of worship that they established for their followers at the temples, the large temples, and so forth. So, so Archon is kind of I kind of look at it as this kind of in between, if you will. Um, in the Sadaka Deya, we approach the deity in Archon Marg, and uh, there's some reverence. Somebody asked me something like that. I thought we we're supposed to worship, you know, Krishna in, in intimacy. And uh, so, yeah, in a in a citadeha that is there, but in the but in the sadaka deha, some element of reverence, and we see that throughout the, the Gorlila, the way the Lord dealt with the deities and so forth. Now, the language that Prabhupada uses is a, is a, is a little um, can there can throw one off, Lakshmi Narayan rather than Radha and Krishna, um, uh, and. Um, I understand that, but I, that this is the spirit of what he was, um, what he's trying to say, and what he was trying to instill in his devotees. And he was, did a very good job of it. And they did a very opulent um, and clean and punctual uh, type of uh, deity worship. I think he probably set the standard for deity worship for the for the for the I don't know for 
for the century or for you know ten thousand years or something like that. Um, very, uh, very, very, very good uh, standard. Um, it's uh, in the spirit of the the line of Bhakti Siddhanta that Sridharmar's thought really captured Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka's approach to the Rag Marg, which was a one line in a song that we don't have that he composed that as I've said before the devotees sang in Kirtan as they took the deities in Calcutta from a rented house into the marble temple. And Sridharmar's characterizes those times of service as times in which the sannyasins, preachers, were going out raising money from the public and just throwing it at the marble temple. And people would say, why don't you use money for feeding the people or opening hospitals or doing other things and so forth. And so there was this very um, big emphasis on um, um, opulent worship. Bhaktisiddhanta was himself was criticized by his brother, Lee Prashad, for having left the Rag Marg because he's building all these big temples and so forth. I think the Bhag Bazaar marble temple in in uh, Calcutta must have been the, the first one. So, um, of course, you know, look at the, look at Rupa Goswami's temple and in, in Vrindavan and so forth. This was quite uh, quite extraordinary, quite opulent. But anyway, he was criticized um, for that. And so it's a little unique and and um, and uh, perhaps different than things the way things were were going on. But um, 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 the uh, the line means that we'll worship the Ragmarg with with high regard. So with great regard, we'll worship the Ragmarg worship. And meanwhile, we'll engage in kirtan. So their kirtan involved preaching to people and raising funds through the preaching and then throwing it at the deity. Just throwing it at the deity. Um, so um, through an extended idea of kirtan, the form of, as I say, preaching, um, as he thought of it, Pakistan Sarasthi Thakur, they... Uh, performed kirtan, worshipped the Ragmarg, and the idea was that at a certain point then the uh, the Swarup Shakti would descend and uh, their reverential distance with which they worshipped the Ragmarg would re- be replaced by entering into it with full adhikar, full eligibility. Um, the language I use, of course, is is different, and it, it it tends to harmonize these things a little bit more when we use, for example, citing a drawing from Jiva Goswami, Ajataruchi, Raghunuga Bhakti, um, um, and the, the particular language that Prabhupada used there is particularly um, uh, invoking the names of Lakshmi and Narayan and so forth. That really could be con- confusing hmm? if you didn't know entirely what he was about and so forth. Um, and so I think it does need to be addressed. Um, and I believe, as I say, invoking those names was his way of saying hmm, the same thing that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsri Thakur had, 
had taught him. Hmm? Um, but the confusing thing is, of course, the idea that you could worship Lakshmi Narayan in awe and reverence and it would turn into Raghunuga Bhakti for Radha and Krishna. Hmm? They are two separate paths. Hmm? And um, one has a prem, each of the prem, bhav and prem of their own, prem of Vaikuntha in reverential love and a bhav and a prem in, in, in Vrindavan, in, in um, intimacy. So there's maybe a couple of places that he uses that language. It's just taking it like that, it's a, it's, it's, could be misunderstood, but if you study the whole of his teaching and the whole of his preoccupation and so forth, and uh, uh, then you can harmonize it and understand it in, in this way. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something, one paragraph further. It's, um, it's just really one term that I've never heard used before, but he, he says that... Um, he lists the five rasas, and then he says, but although these five rasas are found in the Bhagavat Marg, the Bhagavat Marg, Marg is especially meant for Vatsali and Madhurya, or paternal and conjugal relationship. Yet there is the Vipralamba Sakya, the higher fraternal worship of the Lord, especially enjoined by the Kaur boys. So I, it was peculiar that he's, he seemed to emphasize that the Rav Marg was about Vatsali and, you know, that's what he says, Vatsali and Madhurya, and then this term Vipralamba Sakya, I've never heard it before, and I was wondering what Vipralamba meant in that regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, the it may be an, a word that an editor might have wanted wanted to, wanted to call out. Vipralamba means um, separation and um, that said, it pertains particularly to Madhurya Rasa. Hmm? And it doesn't pertain to um, Vatsali Rasa or Sakya Rasa or Dasya Rasa, technically. In the, in the Sambandhanug, Sambandharupa form of Rag Bhakti, you have yoga and, uh, what is it, yoga and, and Viyoga, hmm? union and separation and then divisions within this. Um, and when we come to... Uh, those are even employed in, in Manjari Bhav because there's a kind of a dasya for Radha. Hmm? But when you come to the union and separation of Radha and Krishna and Madhurya Ras, different terms are used. Vipralamba and Samboga, and there's four types of Vipralamba, um, separation, four types of corresponding union, and so forth. Hmm. So that said, the there are, obviously, probably speaking about a special kind of Sakya Rasa that has involvement in Madhurya Rasa. Hmm. And that, as we know, is the Priyanarma Saka. So he may have used the word Vipralamba, hmm, given that it's, it's tied to... Um, Madhuri Rasa. Hmm? And the Sakha, the Sakha, the, the, the cowherd who is a Priyanarma, his 
Sakiras is imbued also with Madhurya. So he is involved in the Vipralamba and the Samboga. So maybe he used the word for that um, reason and at the moment thought of the cowherd's participation in the Vipralamba of, uh, of, of Radha and Krishna. Um, I've come across that before and that's as far as I've thought about it. The emphasis on Batsalya Rasa there that he mentions, basically he's saying it is something that's that's uh, prominent, you know, in the in the in the Pushti Marg of Balaba, and that is another Ragmark group, so he may have been thinking of them. He doesn't mention Dasiras, but of course it is part of the Braj Leela. Then again, the Dasiras is tinged with Sakiras, and kind of that's where it begins. A whole bhagyam, a whole bhagyam, as Brahma said, Nandagopa, Brajokasham, Yan Mitram, Paramanandam, Purna Brahma, Sanatanam. So, uh, it would seem that Prabhupada is talking about Madhuriras, maybe he thinks of the Pushti Mark, and then he says, and then as far as Madhuriras goes, there's another segment, another sector also involved in there. Hmm? And those are the Priyanarmas, who he there says, I didn't, there he calls Vipralamba Sakya. Sakya Rasa, arguably, that it has a participation in the Vipralamba of Radha and Krishna. It's peculiar, but that's uh, how to make some sense, spiritual sense out of it. And of course, there's he's demonstrated that his own affinity for for such, so he wants to include himself in 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 there. And with regard to going back for a moment to you know what uh, what he said there, I mean he, he, the, the initial part you wrote. He read, he read, worshiping Lakshmi Narayan, not Radha and Krishna. Meanwhile, he names his deities Radha and Krishna everywhere, and the devotees are all referring to them as Radha and Krishna, and all thinking of and reading their about their pastimes in Vrindavan. And there's no, there's no talk about Baikuntha and what goes on there, and there's no trumpets and elephants and bugles and uh, uh, that you typically find in the Archan Marg of uh, uh, of uh, Vaidhi Bhakti. I've told the story how I went to the Padmanabh Chitra, the big, big temple. It's like a city of Padmanabha. Mm-hmm. He's about a 24-foot-long Vishnu lying like this. And uh, in, throughout the city, there's other little temples of Nishringa and other avatars, and Krishna's there too, and so forth. And I happened to, I went a few times, but one day I went on a, on a codice, and it was a huge event within the, the temple compound, the world, if you will, of, of Vishnu there, and there was this, this big promenade, and they were carrying a Vijay, you know, small represent, uh, representative deity of the main deity on a palanquin, and there were trumpets and horns and Brahmins chanting, and every they would go so many feet and stop, and there would be boom, 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 kettle drums and things, and it was just really uh, different. Hmm? if you will. Um, it was very, uh, well, you know, we were in Baikuntha, it was apparent. Hmm? Um, very uh, awe-inspiring and uh, powerful 
type of experience. So there's none of that. So you take all that into consideration, and then you, you can't get um, taken to in another direction and think he means we should do Vaikuntha worship first, and when we're adept in that, then we'll do Radha Krishna. Because that's not what he what did. And all the mantras for chanting and uh, for worshiping the deities, they were all invoking the names of Radha and Krishna, for example, or Krishna and Balaram. And, uh, and uh, of course, Gornatai, Jagannath, and so forth. So, But with regard to the Radha Krishna worship, which he's talking about there, he instituted in all of the temples, he gave the Mula Mantras for the deities, he gave the Gayatris for those deities, not for Lakshmi Narayan, and so forth. So he's using the words, and it's a little loose usage of words, but the emphasis is he wants to still instill within his devotee, his disciples, respect for the deities, they're not casual with the deities in, a, in the name of Ragmarg, something like that, um, or in the name of who knows what. <laughs> I mean, there was a time when they were, you know, in Los Angeles, the Pajari was wearing jeans for Jagannath. Hmm? Didn't have dhotis yet. <laughs> when I came, we were buying yellow sheets, uh, you know, more or less tying ourselves in those. Uh, so um, he was concerned, you know. <laughs> so he, he made it this emphasis in some places about, and and, and it was successful. I mean, this, the standard deity worship was very high, and it very much uplifted the devotees. And those, to this day, it's it's something about Prabhupada's former movement, ISKCON, that's it's very um, ideal, attractive. Um, the deity worship, it's very, it's very yeah, exemplary. But again, this was his point, and we have to, you know, another way to say it is, as we've said before, that first you have to understand that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. Everything comes from Him, as He says in the Gita, and then, with that in mind, you give everything to Him. Then you can come eventually to the point of the Vrindavan Leela where they don't think that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. You have to have it emphasized as a point of tattva in order to enter into the, the bhav in which that idea um, is uh, retired or pushed to the background. Hmm? So as we go on here, with Gaudiya Vaishnavism and the dispensation, we would hope that we can; these things can be explained a little more um, thoroughly and clearly. Prabhupada was very um, uh, had a limited amount of time trying to put out the Bhagavatam and uh, travel all over the world, answer correspondence. He's got more books of correspondence than I've been able to write, you know, just in correspondence and so forth. So. He left a little service for us to kind of tighten up some of these ideas. That's the spirit of it, though. Hmm? Does that help overall? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Yes. Another question uh, in regards to DT worship. Um, I was thinking, uh, like, uh, um, 
Bhakti Bhakti Vilas mentions those seva aparadhas and among them mm, crying or laughing in front of the deity is mentioned. I was thinking like uh, that in Christianity people can go to the church and like uh, tell God uh, about their sorrows and happiness. Why it seems to be offensive in Vaishnavism? Well, I think the idea of crying before the deity for material causes and bringing attention to oneself in that way is is um, is not from the Vaishnav point of view. Um, you have Hari Bhakti Vilas. Sanatana Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, they're putting together a standard for Vaishnavas. And there are other conceptions of worshipping the deity, hmm? where you come before the deity and and you make a wish, sankalpa, and the priest, you know, gives you something, I don't know, on your head, takes the feet of Vishnu, and you, know, you can find this in other places, and so forth, and then the material prosperity, and so forth. It's um, not something that in the Goswami Vidhi is um, is that we're encouraged to, to, to pray for or to uh, lament about. Hmm. Um, so crying before the deity because implication is for material reasons because you're materially upset um, or laughing because well, I guess that's what you're saying the, the crying part the laughing telling jokes you know there should be some element of, of regard I'm standing before you know Krishna and it's his world here and I should try to fit in to that is the idea not to bring my world into into his picture and his lap and throw it before him and so forth it's it's not something that's unacceptable entirely but it's not something that the Goswamis um, uh, uh, allowed for in terms of Hari Bhakti Vilas, which they've drawn from different scriptures and made up a vidhi, if you will, uh, for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So I'm not supposed to cry before the deity. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to I'm supposed to glorify the deity, in other words. Yes, but if you want, you can go before Jesus and, and, as you said, and other religions and pray for things. It is mentioned in the Bhagavatam, and this is maybe the confusion to some extent that, well, akama sarvakama bhavamoksha kama dharadhiti vrena bhakti yoga purusham paramsa. Whether you have material desires or no desires or desire uh, for liberation, whatever it may be, hmm? best to do bhakti yoga. That's true. Hmm? But I think that um, that said, um, um, there is a place in Gaudiya Vaishnavism also for for that, and I've just cited a verse that supports that. But with regard to standing before the deity personally, hmm, that should be in a, in a in a different mood. Now you may pray, and and so when you come before the deity, you're coming to be seen by the deity in darshan. And he's showing himself to you, and so there's a formal formal ways to you know, present oneself. Hmm? Uh, 
Um, otherwise, yes, if you have material desires or you have material anxieties that you're uh, suffering from and causing you to lament and so forth, it's best to um, um, bring them before the your, your uh, Krishna than not, in one sense, because you get a tendency to take shelter of Krishna. Hmm? So I think there's a there's a place for that. Hmm? Oh, my mother died, and I'm feeling so uh, something like that. But before the deity, then yeah, hmm, we should be in another mood. I think this is the idea. So it's with regard to the formalities of the of the deity worship, hmm? technically. In many, well, in many Gaudiya missions, you have before they go before the deity on the altar, and the same would apply before in terms of coming before the deity. They do the Buddha Suddhi, or they step into their spiritual body to serve. Buddha Suddhi mean like Mahaprabhu prayed, "Nam vipro na cha narapatinapi vaisha." I'm not a Brahmin, I'm not a Chhatri, I'm not I'm not a sannyasi, I'm servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, who is the husband of the gopis. They would chant this mantra and then go before the deity. So this is appropriate. And then to lament about the, your material relations and problems and so forth and doesn't fit. Hmm? But there may be a place for that overall. Hmm? And in terms of a devotee's life, hmm? devotees have material attachments, and so what to be done? They haven't overcome them yet. So, um, should you pray to Krishna to become, you know, for your material attachments, that I want this or, or help? Somebody asked about this on the internet recently. So help this person or that this relative and so forth. You might as well hmm, go to Krishna. Hmm. The Bhagavatam's long section that ends in the verse that I cited, Akama Sabakamaba, talks about all the different types of worship. For the sun god, for health worship the sun god, for this worship this god, this and this. And then it comes to this this is the concluding kind of verse of the section. But really whatever your situation is, whatever you want, everything, you want nothing. Or you want liberation, whatever it is, take shelter of Krishna, pray to Krishna. So, there's a place for it. But before the deity, that's a special thing. We want to be doing archan. We come before the deity to engage in archan. So, you're in a serving spirit before the deity. You come to see his arati. Hmm? It's his show, hmm? and he's letting you in. Hmm? Something like that. Does that help? Yes, okay. Yes. Um, we talk about sincerity a lot in the devotional context in English, and I looked it up in Sanskrit because there is no word that comes to mind, and it's adamba, which means lack of hypocrisy, which is a pretty standard, standard definition, but. Um, and yet in English we talk about it a lot and I uh, was wondering if you could make if not now maybe some other time like a compilation of concepts or key verses 
that describe what sincerity is? Because other than the example of the Indian devotee that you say sometimes that wants to come to the West and so he's a perfect devotee, I can't think of anybody who would do that kind of lifestyle, especially while living in an ashram and, and having other motives than the uh, spiritual ideal. So, for example, sincerity seems to be, in our context, a combination of uh, truthfulness or introspection. So, anyway, just what your idea of sincerity is. Yeah, I, I often think of it as honesty, truthfulness, but, you know, I mean, there's... Not that every sadhaka living in the temple is truthfully applying themselves. Hmm? They may be loafing and taking it easy and thinking of something else and getting through the day. And and so, um, I, I always, when I was young, I used to pray to be sincere about being sincere. As I've said before, it's kind of weird, but... <laughs> But uh, it's, it means to say that, you know, you could be insincere about being sincere. I mean, there's just, I guess there's just levels of it, degrees of it. It's, it's a giving, giving a, I look at it as a giving of one's heart, hmm? wholeheartedly. I'm really giving myself to this and entirely all the time. Hmm? That... Uh, that kind of spirit, hmm? like, so it, it, in my mind, it involves paying attention also. So, when you, when you, you know, whenever I would bow down and pay my obeisance, we would chant Prabhupada's pranam, and I would be thinking about the meaning, and not just, you know, making the sounds and so forth. And that's the way I thought of it, hmm? that I was attentive and really applying myself entirely. And uh, um, after all, it, it, I, I said the other day when we were discussing the uh, Rupa Goswami's, um, the discussion of Bhava Bhakti, I, I referred back to his definition of Bhakti itself, and the word anukul means favorable. So it's to be done with a favorable attitude. There are things that can be done, like hearing and chanting, with any attitude, and it's it's some form of bhakti, hmm? because that that is bhakti, hearing and chanting about Krishna. But then there are things like Madhya Soda tying Krishna up that's not bhakti, but uh, they're anukul, hmm? or favorable disposition, hmm? um, was such that it, that is more pleasing to him than some people chanting with a motive that is rajasic or tamasic, it's still a form of bhakti. Hmm? Uh, Kapiladev mentions this to his, his mother, rajasic, tamasic, sattvic bhakti. The bhakti is bhakti, but the, the motive behind it is uh, may be influenced by the modes. Hmm? So what Rupa Goswami is speaking about is uttam bhakti means, he uses the word anukul, so that it means favorable, so... This is kind of sincerity. It's favorable. It's done with a mood, with a with a view to please Krishna. Your will is involved here. You can do everything, but your will. I want to please Krishna by this. May Krishna, will Krishna, may Krishna be pleased by this. I'm coming to the art. May he be pleased with me standing there 
before I got to make myself with nice tea lock and <laughs> and so forth and raise my hands and 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 uh, and so forth. I'm not leaning on the post, you know, waiting for it to be over or something like that. But obviously, devotees are conditioned, and so that sometimes their conditioning gets the best of them in a big, and and so they have to apply themselves in terms of this idea on a pool. Hmm? And then then their bhakti will be more um, efficacious. The Bhagavatam, I probably somewhere uses the term, uses the phrase thoroughly honest. Where's that verse he gives? Those who are thoroughly honest. What verse is it? Hmm? Is it in that verse, Nirmatsaranam Satam? Hmm. So, so you could be honest or you could be thoroughly honest, something like that. <clears throat> truth, like attracts like, so truth attacks, attracts truth. We have a prayer to give it, I put it in, I put it into the last verse of our Gaur uh, um, Mungala Mahima that we sing at Audarya. Hmm? Every morning for Mangalartik. What is that verse? Um, that's the last line. Um, how's it start? It's been so long. Satchakori. Maga Ami. Satchakori. That's the line right there. I think that's the second line of it. Satchakori. Magi Ami. Yeah, that that I might be some way I could really say that I'm really giving everything to you. How's that start? I think that's the second part. Maybe not. Satyakori Madhyami Sukumala Sukumala Pran. Tava Prite Vine. Vine Prabhu? Last? Yeah, so, without any, without you, what can I really say? Without service to you, my life is meaningless, something like that. So, that's was my line for translation, for Sincerity. Satchakori magi ami. Sukomal. Sukomal pran. With a very tender heart. Komala means soft, tender. Sukomala pran. With a tender heart. Satchakori magi. I pray to be able to say in truth. Satchakori Magi. Tava Pritibine Prabhu Nachahibavana. I want but love for you, nothing else. So, with a soft heart, I pray to be sincere. That's my translation of it. Right? I'm praying to be sincere about being sincere. I pray that I could say truthfully, honestly, I want only love for you. 
Because we can say, I want only love for you. But do we mean it? That has to translate out in terms of our actions and so forth, right? So that's my carryover from my brahmachari days, put it to a glorification of Gornatinanda that we sing in the morning. Yeah, so there, like there is no end to it up until up to the gopis level. There's never the end of sincerity. It's very gradual and you just never get to 100. I don't know who would say that gopis are not 100% sincere, but the wondering and the striving for being sincere. Yeah, it's an, it's an ongoing. What else? Can it also be meaning like without pretense? Yeah. Because I remember Same thing. something in the Latin there. It means, I, I heard that it means something about, you know, when you buy marble, and if it's got cracks in it, then they fit it with wax. And then the Latin origin of sincere means to be without wax. Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> We've got an Italian here to verify yeah, but, it. So yeah. it's got, it the, holes the holes haven't been without any cracks. cracks you know? uh-huh. mm-hmm. Without a crack in my voice. Or yeah. a crack may be there, but you don't want to kind of cover it up, you know. Uh-huh. I'm not trying to hide anything. Let it be exposed. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very nice. Shidamarsh liked to translate the Nahikali Nakrit Kaschid Durgatim Tattagachati of the Bhagavad Gita. That um, sincerity is invincible. Krishna is saying, My dear son Arjun, don't think that your efforts will go in vain. No. If your sincere efforts will definitely. Uh, be, be accepted. Don't think like that for a minute. Sincerity is invincible. Hmm. So, that, with that in mind, we sometimes say that the, the technical thing may not be in place. Bhavagrahi Janardana, Krishna is called, he who accepts the spirit of the offering, even though the formal technical side of it may be incorrect. Hmm. And if the heart is in the right place, or if the words are pronounced wrong, Shri would say, I think, he says, I think you meant that, right? Yeah. yeah. He hears, in other words, the heart. Hmm. What else? On, on that point about the technicalities <coughs> maybe not being in place, but the heart being there, often this is used as a kind of a, an excuse to not really perform so properly but but if the heart is there then you'll want to do it right and when you find out that you've done it wrong you won't go you won't be ups, upset with the person who told you <laughs> but oh okay and, uh, oh, thank you for telling me how to do it right <laughs> then the heart's in the right place <laughs> so you want to learn how to do it right but then you say, my heart's in the right place. Who, who, you know, what are you telling me? To you know, get off, my, get off my, you know, my back. You know, <laughs> well, his words are telling. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Once well, a trace stub where pseudomers gets the phrase, uh, the, the term separate interest from a verse in the 11th canto that I can't remember, something with begin now or something. What? Begin now or something that means separate. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a famous verse. Um, what's that verse? Turning away. Yeah, bayam duti Separate interest. That's a famous verse from the Bhagavatam describing how we fell down. <laughs> See, he said he turned away. Bayam, hmm? fear, anxiety comes from turning away. Bayam sep- turning away, separate interest. Viparyosmiti, hmm. yeah. I was reading in Jaya Dharma and it said, Bahidni Mahasaya was talking to his son about different kinds of shastras through different modes that people are influenced by. And he was speaking of how people gradually progress to higher kinds. I don't know, it seemed like he was kind of saying that people eventually get to bhakti through this kind of shastra path, which I didn't seem to fit like, because he always said, Bhakti comes from bhakti. I think he's probably talking about the fact that that people may move through the modes. Hmm? If people are in the mode of ignorance, but they come under the shastra and the books, the puranas that you know for the mode of ignorance, then they're doing the best they can in one sense. Outside of having sadhu sangha and bhakti, faith in bhakti being born in them as a result of it. So there may be a gradual evolution that that's going on within the modes, but still. Um, and if they're in the sattva guna, then they and they contact bhakti, then they'll take it better. Hmm? Um, just like if your heart is pure, the jnani comes in touch with bhakti. Well, and it's, it's going to go in um, uh, quicker because it doesn't have to clean everything out first. Hmm? So, in that sense, but you no, know, they have to have contact with, with bhakti. They can't just um, move from the different modes and then come to bhakti. Bhakti comes from bhakti. Hmm. But, yeah, the, the scriptures, the Puranas, it is said that they're, you know, they, they, they emphasize different gods and goddesses and types of worship. The idea was being for different types of psychology relative to the influence of the modes of nature. You have your sattva puranas, and then you have your your uh, amala purana, Srimad Bhagavatam, the spotless one. That's a transcendental purana. Hmm? And you have the sattvic and rajasic and tamasic puranas. I, must, I don't remember the section, but that must be what he was... There is an evolution, there is a gradation there. Hmm? But it's not that you can just... within the modes and then come to bhakti without bhakti coming to you. Hmm. Uh, 
for an ashram though? Be to sort of indirectly to worship in Vishnu? It does. It has worship of Vishnu is included inside of it, and that's why it's supposed to be efficacious in terms of what it seeks to do. Hmm? To give you material fruits and to harness you and to cage you and tame you. Hmm? Without bhakti, it wouldn't be efficacious. So there is worship of Vishnu is included in there, but it's not in m- most forms of varnashram. It it's not clear to the people who Vishnu is in comparison to anybody else. There's a form of varnashram in the Bhagavatam that's mentioned where it's very clearly presented. Hmm? Who, who Vishnu is in the seventh canto. Hmm? So, actually, the Goswamis have said that, that it's possible hmm, that by in, engaging in, in pious, fruitive activities within Varnashram, hmm, you could come to Vaidhi Bhakti. They do admit that, but not Ragnuga Bhakti. Hmm. Generally we say Bhakti, only Bhakti comes from Bhakti. Hmm. Piety, material piety won't bring you, but because the Varnashram is, there is a worship of Vishnu in there, there are, there is, there is certain times, uh, different, uh, different types of, of worship that are that are that are actually angas of bhakti are included in, in varnashram. So people don't get them, understand them in context and what they're doing. They're just doing varnashram. So in the context of that, there it's, you can say that um, material piety can bring one to vaidhi bhakti. But they, they emphasize this is Jiva Rupa Goswami's emphasis on the last verse in Bhaktivedanta where he of his discussion on Raghunuga Bhakti, I believe. Jiva Goswami brings that out. And elsewhere as well, I've seen. But Rag Bhakti, only by Sadhu Sangha. Does that help? I feel like I'm making some very logical leaps, but if the Tashtras lead you up through the different modes to Sadhu and then you would start doing Varnasha, and then you yeah, it's possible, but uh, it's not that uh, the Varnashram is. I, I, I don't. I don't think that the. I never read them, but I don't think that Tamasic or Radhasic Puranas are divorced from Varnashram. It's overarching, but they have an emphasis on particular gods or goddesses within the Varnashram hmm, that people get into because they just like works with their psychology, I guess, is the idea. So, what I'm saying is that all of the part, um, uh, the Puranas are um, not disconnected from Varnashram. So it's kind of remotely possible an argument could be made, as, as I'm saying, that, that by 
Varnashram, you could come to Vaidhi Bhakti because there's some Vaidhi Bhakti in it. Hmm? But not Rag Bhakti. What else? Yes. We were reading your article on Shivratri, Mahadev Shiva, and I should have referred to Mahadev Shiva, and then you, you said it. Um, he's known as Gopishwar and Gopeshwar because he manifests as a, as a Gopi and a Gopa, and I've never, I've never heard the Gopa part. I never heard it either, but I've heard that. <laughs> when he did that, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know that story. Yeah, but I have heard that. Is it, is it baby or just... I've just heard it. Yeah. But the famous is uh, Gopishwar, gatekeeper of the, of the Rasastali there in Vrindavan. We just passed the Shivaratri, right? What else? Something more? No? Okay, we'll stop there. Shishidauji Gopal Pijai. Oh, Premanandi.